morning, church family. Let's take our Bibles and turn to Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9, and we are so thankful that you're here. And for those who are joining us online, thank you so much for being a part of today's service. We're honored that you've chosen to watch and, and to participate in today's service. I am so excited about uh, just what we've already experienced this morning uh, and singing to our great God, and I'm excited about what we have for us this morning. Uh, me and Ms. Rosslyn, we were talking before the service a little bit, and she was getting me pumped and fired up for today's message, and uh, I'm just so excited for it. And I'm also really excited about some things that we have coming up as a church that I'm going to be sharing with you, just not today. So you got to keep on coming back. So I'm looking forward to sharing with you some really exciting opportunities that we have as a church. I'm looking forward to sharing that with you next week, just some things, that opportunities that we have to connect, to grow in our faith, uh, to learn. And it's, gonna, it's some really exciting things coming up in the days ahead. Let's take take our Bibles, Mark chapter number nine. And we are, are, we are in part two of a sermon series that we are calling Next Level. We're seeking to grow in loving like Jesus. And and we need to take steps forward in our faith. And, and so we've started, we've started this series called Next Level. I don't know about you, but I, I admire people who really just take things up a notch, who take things to the next level. Uh, the other day, I was grilling steaks for me and Adriana, and as I was getting ready to grill on my big green egg, uh, so you'll get tired, I promise you, you'll get tired of hearing about my big green egg. Uh, but I was getting ready to grill on the big green egg, and I was doing steaks, and I wanted to, to see some, some advice, some tips on grilling. So I looked up a guy, his name's Aaron Franklin, he's in Austin, and he is known as, uh, I think, the nation's number one grill master. So I wanted to see Aaron, how does Aaron Franklin do steaks. So I watched this YouTube video and he's talking about, it says Aaron Franklin on how to cook steaks. He spent the first 15 minutes talking about cows and where they come from and how what they eat affects their taste and their texture and how whenever you eat a cow, if you just pick it up, if you pick up a steak or some ground beef from Walmart, you're probably getting a 14 month old cow. And he's just going on and on about these cows. And I'm like, dude, I just want to know how to season a steak, how, to, how hot to get the grill uh, and what to do from there. And he's talking about uh, all these different things. He's telling me the life story of the cow that he's about to cook. Now, that's taking things to the next level, but that's probably why he's known as America's grill master. Uh, so we want to go in our Christian lives, in our, in our journey, we want to grow to the next level. We want to go to the next level in loving like Jesus. And as a church, we want to make a difference in our community. We want to make a difference in our city, in our neighborhood. And I know that that is your desire. That's, that's your desires to make a difference with your life. I think everyone wants to make a difference. I love the way that Brendan Burchard, author of High Performance Habits, he said this, I want, I want my life to be defined by three things. I want to live, I want to love, and I want to matter. And I think for all of us, we'd say, hey, we want to do those things. But, but today we're going to see how we can truly go to the next level. And it's only going to happen as we love like Jesus, because it's not about us. It's not what we can do. It's not what we can accomplish. It's what Jesus can accomplish in and through us. So we're continuing our study through the gospel of Mark, Mark chapter number nine. And we're going to go ahead and read together in verse number 14. It says, and when he came to his disciples, he saw a great multitude about them and the scribes questioning with them. And straightway all the people, when they beheld him, were greatly amazed and running to him, saluted him. And he asked the scribes, what question ye with them? Or he said, what, what are you guys arguing about? Verse 17, and one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit. And wheresoever he taketh him, he teareth him, and he foameth and gnasheth with his teeth and pineth away. 
And I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. He answered him and saith, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. And they brought him unto him, and when he saw him straightway, the spirit tear him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming. And he asked his father, How long is it ago since this came unto him? And he said, Of a child. And oft times it hath cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said to him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him and enter no more into him. And the spirit cried and rent him sore and came out of him, and he was as one dead, and so much that many said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he was coming to the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could not we cast him out? And he said unto them, This kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. Let's go ahead and pray. Today we're going to be talking about how to make a difference, how to make a difference uh, in ministry. Father, thank you for today and for your goodness to us. Thank you for the opportunity that we've had to worship you and to lift up your name. And Lord, I pray that you be with us now as we study your word. I pray and ask that you'd fill me with your spirit. Help me to say only what you want me to say, Uh, nothing more and nothing less. And Lord, I ask that you'd be with Everyone who's here today, I ask that you give them exactly what they need. Lord, we we all desire for our lives to count. We all desire for our lives to make a difference, but it's only going to happen as you work and live through us. And Lord, I pray that that we would receive what you have for us today. I pray that we'd walk out encouraged uh, from your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Today we're going to talk about three ways, three action items to grow in loving like Jesus. And the first truth that we're going to see today is if we're going to grow in loving like Jesus, that we've got to understand the mess. We've got to understand the mess. Last week, we saw that Jesus was on a road trip with three of his disciples. He was with Peter, James, and John. And if you remember, we talked about a couple of weeks ago how Jesus was on the mountain. He had a mountaintop experience with them uh, at the Mount of Transfiguration. On the top of this mountain, Jesus was transfigured. We talked about that word. That word is the same word that we get metamorphosis from, like a caterpillar changing to a butterfly. And when Jesus was transfigured, his face was glowing. It was shining like the sun, and his clothing was reflecting that like diamonds. Those are what the words mean. When he was transfigured, the disciples were seeing him. Peter, James, and John were seeing him as our glorious God. And that's who he is, 100% God and 100% man and they're seeing him as their glorious God. Now you can imagine how the disciples' hearts must have sunk whenever they get back from the mountaintop experience and they find a mess. They find a mess. They've been with Jesus on the mountain. It's been wonderful. It's been amazing. They've asked him some questions. Jesus uh, explained scripture to them, scripture that was prophecy of 400 years old, and now they're at the bottom of the mountain and they've encountered a mess. Look with me in verse number 14, if you will. In verse 14, it says, when he came to his disciples, so the other nine disciples, he saw a great multitude about them and the scribes questioning with them. 
And straightway all the people, when they beheld him, were greatly amazed and running to him, saluted him. And he asked the scribes, what question ye with them? So they get down from the mountain and they find this mess. And here is the mess that they find. The first thing that I want you to notice about this mess is that it's a hateful crowd. It's a hateful crowd. If you notice the words that I read, it says that they were questioning. That means that they were arguing. Uh, there was this, this group of people. There was a crowd. There was just people who were interested in Jesus. There was the scribes and there was the disciples. And there's this arguing that's going around. When Jesus gets there, he says, hey, what question are you, what, what question are you with him? Hey, what are you guys arguing about? What's all the fuss about? And what we find is that there's just this hateful, nasty crowd. They're all arguing back and forth. And at the center of it is a group of people called the scribes. The scribes are the same people that we saw in Mark chapter number three that were causing trouble for Jesus in Mark chapter three. And then in Mark seven, you remember we talked about this uh, a few weeks ago, whenever in Mark seven, the scribes came to Jesus and they said, hey, your disciples, they're not, they're not washing their hands the way that we say they have to be washed. And they're causing all sorts of trouble. And then in Mark chapter eight, we saw them cause more trouble when they go to Jesus and said, hey, we want you to give us a sign from heaven. We want you to be the Messiah that we want. And that's what what we've seen from these scribes and here they are again causing a bunch of trouble they're all arguing back and forth and uh, it reminds me of what i see all the time uh, if you hop on facebook in the comment section if you hop on twitter in the comment section if you get on social media or if you just talk to people about anything at all uh, you're going to find uh, people arguing you're going to find people who are uh, who tend to be hateful you're going to find just a big mess there was a hateful crowd, but more than this hateful crowd, we also see some spiritual opposition. We see some spiritual opposition. Look with me in verse number 17. It says, And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit. So we see that uh, there's all of this arguing going, going around, and then someone steps up out of the crowd. When Jesus says, hey, what's all this arguing about? Somebody steps up and says, Jesus we have a problem. Uh, Jesus, my son is demon possessed. Uh, my son, he can't, he can't hear anything. He can't say anything. And uh, he is, uh, that's what's at the center of this confrontation. That's what's at the center of this arguing is this young man who's demon possessed, his disciple, Jesus's disciples can't do anything about it. So now they bring it to Jesus. And and whenever I look at this truth and I see this, this demon possession that's going on, it reminds me of the spiritual battle that we all face. The Bible says that we, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We, run to, we wrestle, our battle is spiritual in nature. Peter said, hey, be sober, be vigilant. Your adversary, the devil, walks around as a, as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And you and I are in a spiritual battle. Uh, Alistair Begg, I love the way that he said this. He said that whenever demon possession is manifested in Scripture, it's always for the purpose of distorting and destroying the image of God in a person. You and I were created. We were made in the image of God. And what our enemy wants to do in your life and in my life is destroy the dignity, the image of God that, that he has placed within each person. There's a spiritual battle that's going on in this situation. So if you're in a spiritual battle and I'm in a spiritual battle, then it leads me to this question, why do we have to be in this spiritual battle? Why are we in uh, a spiritual battle? After all, I love Jesus. I've, I've just sung songs uh, declaring my love for Jesus. We sang, Jesus, thank you. You've, you've taken me from an enemy to a friend. You've brought me near to you. Uh, how can I still be in the spiritual battle? It reminds me of whenever I was a kid, uh, I was hanging out with some older friends and 
we were we were playing around in the in the woods and we were coming off the tree line and my friend saw this snake on the tree uh, so we all go by and there's this poisonous snake on the tree and uh and my friends that were there they killed the snake and I was a few years younger, and I wanted to see this snake, so I started to get close, and they, they pulled me back so I wouldn't get too close to the snake, because even though the snake was already dead, uh, if you've ever seen a dead snake, it still flops around. A snake can still, a dead snake can still bite you. A, st- a dead snake can still kill you because it has poisonous venom that can still, uh, that can still get you. And the, the snake was dead, it just didn't know it yet. And whenever it comes to our spiritual uh, life and our spiritual battles, uh, we are in a battle. But our enemy is already defeated. Our enemy is already dead. It just doesn't know it yet. So Jesus here, he, he defeats, he, he, encou- he encounters this demon-possessed boy. So we see that there's the mess is there's a hateful crowd. There's spiritual opposition. But we also notice that there's hurting people. There's hurting people. Look with me in verse number 18. It says, and wheresoever he talk, taketh him. Uh, so this man, he's speaking to Jesus. He says, uh, I brought unto thee my son. In verse 17 and verse 18, he says, wheresoever he talketh, taketh him, he teareth him, and he foameth and gnasheth with his teeth and pineth away. And I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. In verse number 20, it says, and they brought him unto him. And when he saw him straightway, the spirit tear him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming. So this man comes to Jesus. He says, hey, listen, we've got a problem. My son is demon possessed. Uh, this demon is trying, to kill, is trying to kill my son. And I've taken him to your disciples. Your disciples couldn't do anything about it. Uh, I can imagine the indictment, the, the, the anger that must have been in that man's voice as he looks over at those disciples, those disciples who uh, the Bible's already told us that, they can, that they've cast out demons. These disciples have already performed miracles, but they couldn't do anything for his son. And he's pointing out that, hey, your disciples, they couldn't do anything for my son. And look at him, he's a mess. And if you look at the words, those words are, are very similar to what we'd see today with a person who has epilepsy, a person who has seizures. It's saying that he's wallowing around, he's foaming at his mouth. And if you've ever been around a person who struggled with that, that's a painful thing. I have a friend who struggles with seizures and it is a painful, it's a, it's a horrible experience. It's, very, it's a very overwhelming experience. So this man, he's, he's in pain. He's overwhelmed. His son, in Matthew, it tells us it, this is his only child. His only son is in pain. He's being destroyed. And then he says even more to Jesus. He says in verse 22, he says, Oftentimes it casteth him into fire and into waters to destroy him. He says, but if, thou can, if you can do anything, Jesus, if you can do anything about this, please do something. Can, can you imagine uh, that man's voice? He's already said, hey, your disciples couldn't do anything. And I've heard about all of that you can do, but if you can do anything, do something for me. And, and what we see here is we see this man, his, his words must have been very sharp. They must, he was in pain and he's speaking to Jesus and he's even casting doubt on Jesus if you can do anything. I mean, the whole reason why he's here is because he believed that Jesus could heal him. He believed that Jesus' disciples could heal his son, but they couldn't. So now he's saying, Jesus, if you can do anything, please help me. And what I found in my life is sometimes there are people who say things that they can be pretty hurtful. Sometimes people can say things that it just, in my own, in my own heart, it feels like, man, you can't really mean that. But what we find is hurting people hurt people. Uh, hurting people will say things uh, that, that just, that, that, will, that will cut you, that will hurt you. And uh, I want you to understand this morning that if we're going to talk about making a difference, if we're going to talk about loving like Jesus, what we have to understand is that we live in a world that is a mess. 
Uh, we live in a world where there are hurting people, where there are hateful people. We live in a world where we are in spiritual opposition. What we need to understand is, hey, if I'm going to love like Jesus, I got to understand that I can't love like Jesus and not get burned. I can't love like Jesus and not get hurt. Uh, if I'm looking for a life that is pain-free, if I'm looking for a life that is stress-free, then loving like Jesus isn't the way to go because Jesus, whenever he loved, uh, he was despised and he was rejected of men. He came unto his own and his own received him not. Jesus' love caused him to lay down his life for his friends. But God demonstrated his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And what I want you to understand this morning is that Jesus' love cost him something. And if we're going to be a church that makes a difference, if we're going to be a church that loves people, we got to understand we live in a world that's a mess and sometimes it'll hurt, sometimes it'll be painful, but we've got to continue to love like Jesus because that's the only way that we make a difference. So we see, first of all, that we have to understand the mess. The second way, this is an action step to love like Jesus, we have to introduce people to Jesus. We have to introduce people to Jesus. There's no more loving thing that we can do than introduce them uh, to the Savior who loved them so much that he died for them. So we say that we got to introduce people to Jesus. And I want you to notice with me this hurting dad, uh, this demon-possessed boy, and all of their life is a mess until they meet Jesus. So if we're going to love like Jesus, let's see how Jesus loved this man. Let's see how Jesus loved this boy. And this is going to be our example of how Jesus loves us and how he can love through us. I want you to notice that Jesus treats them with compassion. Jesus treats them with compassion. Look with me in verse, number, in verse number 21. The man's come and he's given, his, he's given his story. And in verse number 21, Jesus asked the father, how long is it ago since this came unto him? And he said, of a child. So Jesus says, hey, how long has, how long has your son been struggling with this? Now, if you read that and, and your mind works like my mind does, I'm thinking, hey, how can, why would Jesus ask this question? Jesus is omniscient. That means that Jesus knows everything. Uh, so why is Jesus asking for this guy's backstory? Why is he asking, hey, how long has he been going around with this if Jesus already knows? I believe that there's two reasons that we see it. First of all, he's giving some context to the crowd. Everyone is seeing. Remember, there's a crowd around them that's surrounding them. The scribes see this boy, and Jesus is asking this question. And now everyone, his audience, including us, know, hey, this is a serious situation. But then we also see that Jesus asks this question. I believe because he's asking this question for the same reason that I asked my kids, for the same reason I, I'm going to ask Jules after the service today, hey, how was your class back there? What did you learn about? Which, by the way, I just want to tell you, I think that, that New Life Kids Tribe is the coolest kids class around. So it, I love it. So something that is going on that's unique, that's special about our, about our kids, what goes on back there in the kids class, is that uh, Sarah Pinson, who does an awesome job back there, she teaches those kids the same passages of Scripture that we are learning, that we are studying in here. And the reason why we do that is so that you can go, whenever you go home, you can talk to your kids and you can ask your kids, hey, what did you learn about in church? And they're going to tell you the same story that you heard, the same event that you heard in church to help you grow, to help you connect uh, over the word of God. We, we do that so that way uh, you can have some conversation starters uh, regarding God's word. So they're learning similar truths. They're learning from the same passage of scripture that we're learning in here. So I know that. I know that Sarah is back there teaching the same thing that I'm teaching in here. So why would I ask my daughters, hey, what did you learn in church? After all, I hope that I know it because I'm preaching it. 
I ask her because I'm interested in her. I ask her, even though I already know, I, I want to hear from her. I want to hear from, from her heart. Hey, what, what did you learn? I, hey, I, I want to spend time with you. So I'm just as interested, even though I already know the story, I'm just as interested because I care about her. And whenever Jesus takes the time to ask a question that he already knows, it's because he cares about the person that he's asking the question to. Uh, whenever Jesus in the garden uh, with, with Adam, he said, Adam, where are you? Uh, whenever Adam had sinned, whenever Adam had turned his back on God, what was God doing? God was pursuing Adam. God cared for Adam. And when God asks a question, it's because he cares about you. So we see here that he treats them with compassion. And if we're going to love like Jesus, we need to treat others with compassion as well. So let me ask you this question this morning. Who is Jesus calling you to show his compassion to? Maybe it's a, maybe it's a difficult coworker this week. Uh, somebody that, that you just, uh, you have a short fuse with. Maybe Jesus is calling you to, to show them compassion. Maybe it's a neighbor that you need to reach out to and, and just love. You need to show them Jesus's compassion. Jesus treated people with compassion. But I also noticed that Jesus challenges the man's faith. Jesus challenges the man's faith. We already talked about this. The man goes, Jesus, if you can, if you can do anything about this, please help me. And then look with me in verse number 23. It says, Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. Here's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, hey, listen, the if is on the wrong person. It's not if I can help you. It's if you'll believe. Uh, it's if you will trust. So Jesus challenges the man's faith. And my friend, what I want to let you know is, hey, in these seasons of life, Jesus is working on you. He's developing you. He's growing your faith. So trust him. That's how Jesus deals with people. He's growing our faith. That's why it's so important that we come uh, and be faithful on Sunday mornings. That's why Thursday night is so special, uh, walking through scripture, talking through scripture together. Uh, that's why it's so important is because, hey, Jesus is challenging our faith. And the man says, uh, Jesus is pushing all the right buttons. And the man says, hey, I believe, please just help Help my unbelief. Help my unbelief. By the way, that's a great prayer for all of us to pray. Lord, I believe. Help. Help my unbelief. Jesus, Jesus challenges the man's faith, but then Jesus changes lives. Jesus changes lives. In verse number 25, it says, When Jesus saw the people come running together, so they're all coming to intervene, uh, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him, and enter no more into him. The spirit cried and run him sore and came out of him and he was as one dead in so much that many said he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up and he arose. Jesus with power and authority shows what only he can do. Uh, Jewish Pharisees and scribes, they believe that in order to cast out a demon, you had to find out the demon's name. Uh, which made this a particularly difficult case because it was a, it was a deaf spirit. It was a dumb spirit. He couldn't hear, he couldn't speak. Uh, so Jesus, Jesus didn't need his name. Jesus, with power and authority, casts that demon out, and Jesus transforms lives. The scribes couldn't do anything to help this boy. Uh, these disciples in and of themselves couldn't do anything to help this boy, but Jesus can change lives. And what I want to remind you of this morning is that there is no sin too great that Jesus cannot forgive. Uh, there is no wrong that is too, too bad that Jesus did not already pay for. Uh, there is no struggle in our lives. There's no struggle in your life that is too strong that Jesus cannot give you freedom from. He is our chain breaker.
breaker. He's our way maker. And what we see here is that Jesus changes lives. And it's the testimony of every believer, every person who walks with Jesus, every person who loves Jesus and knows Jesus. It is the testimony of our lives that Jesus has made us free. My chains are gone. I've been set free. And that's what Jesus has done for you and for me. So if we see that Jesus changes lives, and I'm going to introduce people to Jesus, how can I do that? How can I do that practically? All right, and here at New Life, I want to give you, just, I want to give you a couple of action steps to put into practice this week. First of all, bring people to New Life with you. Bring people to New Life with you. Uh, Jaden, I love that Jaden has you wave your cards. There's a purple one there. Go ahead and wave it at me. Just wave that purple card that you have. There's the orange one, the connection card. Then there's the purple card. This is just an invite card. It has our information on it. Share it with a friend this week. Say, hey, listen, hey, you, hey, you need to come with me. You need to come and see what God is doing uh, here. And my friend, give this out to somebody. Bring people with you. Every single week, I'm going to share the good news that Jesus died, he was buried, and that he rose again to take away our sins. And that's my promise to you. If you bring your friends, I promise you they will hear the good news of how Jesus loves them because he does. Bring people with you. And then another way is to serve at New Life. Here, let's serve here. We're, we're just getting started. I think, we're, I think we're five or six weeks in of meeting in person. Uh, and we need all hands on deck to share the love of Jesus with our community. And if you're interested in doing that, go ahead and take out the connection card and and just write down, I want to serve in the comment section. I want to serve. Take out the connection card and write it there. Those are ways, those are practical ways that you can introduce people to Jesus. Bring people uh, to New Life. Serve uh, serve at New Life. And we're going to share the gospel with our community, with our neighbors. So we see that if we're going to love like Jesus, we have to understand the mess. We have to understand that if, if we serve, if we love, if we extend, if we reach out, hey, sometimes we'll get burned. But we need to also understand that in order to love like Jesus, we need to bring people to Jesus because God is love. God is love. And then finally, the final action step, the final uh, thing that we need to realize is to remember it's not about you. We need to remember it's not, it's not about you. It's not about me. Uh, it's not what I can do. It's about what Jesus does. So look with me in verse number 20, uh, in verse number 27, or verse number 28, I'm sorry. It says, and when he was coming to the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could not we cast him out? And he said unto them, this kind can come forth by nothing, but by prayer and fasting. So Jesus heals this demon-possessed boy. He casts out the demon, and then it tells us that Jesus goes, and he's going to get some rest. I would imagine that he must have been pretty tired after going up the mountain and then coming back down the mountain to encounter this mess. And Jesus is going into the house, it tells us. And then the disciples, they want to ask. They say, Jesus, you've, you've given us a lot of authority. You've, you've, you've allowed us to perform lots of miracles up to this point. Why couldn't we perform this one? Why, why couldn't we cast out this demon? And, and Jesus gives an answer, and we see the second part of it in Mark. In Matthew, it gives us Jesus' full answer, and it basically it's in two parts. Jesus says, the first part is you didn't believe. You didn't believe. The second part, he says, and we see it here, this comes by prayer and fasting. So they say, hey, why couldn't we do this? Why couldn't we perform this miracle? And Jesus says, hey, you didn't believe. This is by prayer and fasting. So what does this mean? for your life and for my life. 
Well, I've seen, I've been on the, the brunt end of what these disciples went through uh, a while back. I was preaching and teaching, and I was really excited about the message that I was going to preach. Uh, I was preaching to some teenagers, and I was sharing a message that was similar. It wasn't the same thing, but it was similar to our Big Rock series. It was the same idea as our Big Rock series. Uh, so I thought, hey, I'm, I'm speaking to these teenagers. I've got this down. I'm going to show them about the priorities of life. Uh, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this uh, illustration so they can see it, and it's going to be great. So I get out this jar, and I'm like, I'm going to do the Big Rocks illustration. If you've never seen the Big Rocks, it's really great in helping us understand how to set our priorities. So if you put the Big Rocks in a jar, and then you put small rocks in the jar, you shake it around, you can fit everything in. But if you do it backwards, if you put small rocks in the jar, and then you put Big Rocks on top, you can't fit everything in. It's important that you put the most important things in first. It's a great, it's a great visual. It's a great reminder. It's a great illustration. Uh, and if you're... and uh, so I was excited about it, and I thought, hey, you know what? This is going to be easy. This is going to be great. The, these guys are going to remember it forever. It's going to be awesome. I got this. Well, I get ready to preach, but there was a problem. I forgot the jar, and I forgot the rocks. <laughs> so it's hard to do a, big rocks, do, do a big rocks visual whenever you don't have a jar when you don't have rocks. So I, I scrounged around. I found the jar, and then all that we had was uh, we had uh, little coffee creamers, and we had sugar. So I thought, hey, you know what? I, I can make this work. I can make this work. I can do this. So I started, putting, I started putting in sugar. I started putting in coffee creamer. Well, there was a problem. I didn't have enough of the coffee creamer, so it all fit in the jar. So I'm telling these people that I'm speaking to, I'm saying, hey, listen, you got to put this in the right order or else you can't fit it all. The only problem was I fit it all doing it the wrong way. That's not exactly the way that it goes. And I just, I stumbled and I struggled through the entire, through the entire thing. I cut it short and I was like, you guys know what I'm trying to say. I butchered it today. I'm sorry. Go ahead and go. It was horrible. Here was my problem. I thought, hey, I've got this. I can do this. Hey, I, I, don't, I don't have to depend on the Holy Spirit. I, I don't have to depend on God for what I'm about to do. Hey, I, I've, I've spoken lots. I can do this myself. And I fell on my face. And here's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying to his disciples, hey, you fell on your face because you didn't believe me. You didn't think you needed me. Hey, you've got to understand if you're going to love like Jesus, if you're going to make a difference, if you're going to make an impact, it's not you. It was never you that was performing the miracles. It was always me through you. And what we need to understand, what Jesus is communicating to his disciples is, hey, you need to understand that it's not you and it's not me. Making a difference, it's not me. It's not you. It's when we decide, hey, Holy Spirit, I'm yours. God, I'm yours. I want to make a difference. I want to love my neighbors. I want to, I want to love my coworkers. I want to see people come to know Jesus, but I can't do it. I need you to do it through me. The Apostle Paul, one of the greatest Christians who ever lived, he said, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. He's saying, hey, it's not me, it's, it's him working in and through me. And, and friend, that is the essence of what the gospel is, that we can't, but he did. When we couldn't get to God, he came down to us. 
when we couldn't make it on our own. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Jesus became a man. Uh, even though he's our glorious God that we saw on the mountaintop, he became a man. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And Jesus died and he was buried and he rose again to pay for your sins and for mine. We couldn't do it on our own, but Jesus did it for us. And my friend, living for Jesus, loving like Jesus, it's not something that we can do. It's what he does in and through us. And my friend, that is what the gospel is, that Jesus died to pay for your sins. And if you don't know Jesus as your savior, if you've never accepted his forgiveness, then friend, you can do that today. You can come to trust Jesus as your savior, whether here in person or watching online, you can trust Jesus as your Savior today. We're going to have a moment to just uh, reflect on the message and what God has done for us and to respond to how he's spoken in our hearts. So if we could all for everyone's privacy, if you would please bow your head and close your eyes for just a moment. For just a moment, if you'd say, Pastor, I, I've never accepted Jesus. I've never received his forgiveness. I've never asked Jesus to be my Savior but I believe that Jesus died on the cross. I believe that he rose again to pay for my sins and that he is the way. He is the way to a relationship with God. He is the way to heaven. And I'd like to receive him today. Not from any words that I say, but if you from your heart believe this with all your heart and would like to pray and ask Jesus to be your savior, uh, then just repeat after me. If you mean this from your heart, Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. And I believe that Jesus died and rose again to pay for my sins. Jesus, I ask you to forgive my sins and to save me. I put my trust in you and what you did when you died and rose again. In Jesus' name, amen. My friend, if you pray that prayer, we're so excited for you. Thank you. You can go ahead and look up. If, if you pray that prayer, we're so excited for you. Please let us know either in person through the connection card or online through a direct message. Let us know that you trusted Jesus as your Savior. We'd love to give you a gift and help you grow in your relationship with Jesus. Thank you so much for being here today. I am really looking forward to next week, next level, part three. Uh, we're going to have a great time together. Don't forget about Thursdays. We're really excited about connecting with each other, spending time. Uh, it's very personal and we get to uh, connect with each other, pray for each other, and we have a great time together. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. We'll see you next time. You're dismissed.